Alright. Let's go back one more time to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. I believe this will be the last the last lesson here Sunday school in Colossians where we've been we're going to be in verse number 14 that's where we're going to start we'll talk about peace this morning Sounds awful good, don't it? Mm-hmm. Peace. It's what everyone is really after in this world. They don't want to call it that. They call it happiness or they call it fulfillment or success or whatever, but deep down what everybody really needs, and they know it, peace and yet it's what most of us really we don't possess it we don't have it we have it in certain areas of our life but it gets complicated because we're involved in it that's why it plagues us as we drift off into restless sleep at night and then it's staring at you in the face at the edge of your bed when you wake up in the morning. The things that steal your peace, that rob you of your peace. And then it follows you around all day long and just gnaws at you like, like a healer dog after cattle or something. There's got to be an answer, a solution. There's got to be a pathway to rest and peace. We can't live without it. You can't go on without some peace. You'll die. So that's what I want to talk about. Start in verse number 14. Above all these things that we've been talking about for the last month or more, these virtues of Christianity, these strengths that we're to put on every day, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. It's the bow at the top of all of these things we've talked about that ties them all together. That without charity, without real Christ-like love, they're they're ineffective. They're a waste of your time to try to cultivate and nurture in your life if you do it without charity. And probably out of all of them things that we've talked about, it's the hardest one to be real about. Because it puts you at the bottom and everyone else above you. Charity comes at your expense. 
for the benefit of the ones in your life that deserve it the least. That's charity. And without it being the bond, the thing that binds all of these things together perfectly, a waste of time. Verse 15, it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. It's a specific way, specific formula. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. I say this about every week, and I don't know. I don't. I mean, one thing that I am for certain of more nowadays than I ever have been is that I do not know what tomorrow brings. Everything that I've ever been pretty certain about is just all run through my fingers like sand. And, you know, I, I've i always been a pretty prideful person. Never would admit that, but I've been pretty proud. Quietly. In the back of my mind, there's been a... Uh, and arrogance, really. Even if it's just kept to myself. I'm secure. I've been secure in what I thought I had a handle on. It's funny how you can be so turned around about things you're so sure of. And and it's like I've said in the past few weeks about all this. You know, it's so ironic to me. You know, coincidence? No. No. God gives us exactly what we're supposed to have if that's what we're pursuing. And this has just been for me. I don't... This one's tough for me. This one here. All the other stuff is like talking about all the parts that build this machine. And this one here is where you get your tools out and start putting it together. Or not. All that other stuff can happen quietly without anybody knowing that it's happening. But not this one. This one here gets That's done right. in front of everybody. That's right. Or it don't. What rules my life and my heart? What rules it? The Bible here says to let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's not part of the welcome package or the swag bag we talked about of Christianity that, you know, you just, you got the hat and the t-shirt and oh, the peace of God. That just happens magically when you make a profession of faith. You let it rule 
Just like I've always let my own reasoning and discernment and judgment and wit and talent and everything that I've ever thought was a an attribute to myself rule in my life. I have to take and put all that behind me and let the peace of God rule in my life, in my heart. How do you do that? Peace. What rules my life and my heart? Does peace rule in my heart? Does the peace of God rule in my heart? Or does the peace that I create by the hypermanagement of my affairs rule in my heart? That's where I've lived pretty much all my life. Is right there. I hyper fixate on things to the point where I drive my family crazy sometimes because I have to have it all sorted out. It all has to be combed out in front of me and I have to have it all in neat little organized, alphabetically organized stacks of what I've got my controls on. I've got to have my hands on it all. And that's where my pieces come from. So what happens the first time the waves come along and knock all that down? The first wind that comes along and blows all my cards out across the yard. Well, there goes my piece with it, see? And I don't know what your life is like, but the wind is blowing. What about anger? Does anger rule my heart? Happens when the peace that I've created fails. The test. First, you're mad. Well, at who? You mad at the wind? You mad at whoever opened the door and let the wind in? Yeah. There's always somebody fanning the door. I don't know. It's always not somebody you'd think would be fanning the door. But it is. About fear. That's the next step. Anger. Then fear. Fear of what? Fear of why fear? Well, because as you as you start to watch your cards blow out across the yard, you start to real come to the realization, the reality. You have to accept the reality of the fact that you're not going to collect them all back up again. Everything that's brought you your peace, see? what we're talking about peace in your heart everybody likes to just believe or pretend or I don't know what you're doing 
that you have the peace of God in your heart because you come to church every week or that you sing songs or that you claim to be a Christian or that you dress in the right clothes or that you, you know, jump when somebody says jump. I don't know. But it's a house of cards. I'm telling you. Our peace has got to come from somewhere else. See, Fear invades you like cancer. And it just eats away at you physically. You know, your own strength is one of the things you think that you've got some security in until you start going through things that mentally you look at yourself and you say, what's happening to me? Can't sleep at night. Can't stay awake in the day. Don't make sense. If you ain't never experienced this, you will someday. Circumstances provoke fear. It enters the picture when faith leaves the scene. When I see the storm coming and I know I gotta sail through the middle of it and I only have my handle on things to rely on and how much in control I really am or not. You know, you can pretend all you want, but there's a moment that comes where you look at it and you're just like, everybody run. You better run. There ain't nowhere to run. What about kind of like when Peter stepped out of that boat? You know? Everything was going great until he started looking around at what he was walking in. Took his eyes off Jesus and there he went. So it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So, let me get this right. I let it. Yep. You allow it to rule. You know, God Almighty is the only King that will only rule you if you let Him. You ever think about that? Every king in history ruled over every, all the places that he conquered with his armies and subjugated them into submission. Yeah. And the mightiest king of them all asked you to let him be your king. To let him rule. And and it ain't just him sitting up there ruling over things, making sure the roads get paved when they should, and you know the trees get pulled out of the road when the storm happens, and all that. No, there's just like a whole nother. There's just it's endless the things he offers to you, like this matter of peace. It's one of the things Jesus said at the end there before he went back to heaven, was that my peace I give unto you. I will send. So I got to go away. My time here is done. But I will send the Comforter. Well, what is the Comforter if He don't give you peace? It, it's the same. It's synonymous. 
Peace comes with the Comforter. Mm-hmm. So, you let the peace of God rule in your heart. You don't demand that the peace of God rule in your heart. You don't expect it or force it or assume that it just will. You know, there is a false sense of security in Christianity propagated by lies wrapped up in truth. And most people, it's so much easier to swallow that because it goes down easier. It's the spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down. And yet it's a diluted, watered-down version of what, what, what allows you to let the peace of God rule in your heart. That's why most of the time when the storm comes, there's no peace. Because everything you've been swallowing down, you've been opting for the easy way out. The easier thing to believe. Mm-hmm. The easier thing to subscribe to. The easier path to walk. Refer to Pilgrim's Progress again. Walking the stony path, there's a fence. And on the other side of the fence, the nice, clean, easy-to-walk trail. And they, 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 they were parallel. So he said, I'll jump the fence and just walk the easy trail because it's so much easier and my feet are sore. Jumps the fence, winds up. Where did he wind up? Anybody remember? In the dungeon. The giant of despair got him. And there he was. Why? Because he, I mean, in his mind, it made perfect sense. There's the hard trail. Here's the easy trail. They're, they're running right beside each other. Why would, I mean, it makes more sense all the way around. I'll make better time, everything, to just walk the easier path. So he did. But it ended with no peace. Despair. Incarceration. Hopelessness. Darkness, agony and pain and suffering. So for us to just assume that it's like something that will grow in us or just show up right when we need it most, the peace of God. No, we have to let it rule. Well, someone who rules in your heart, they don't come and go. It has to be the thing that rules in your heart all the time. You know? And that's hard. That's a, you know, that's the reason why we choose the easier path because it's really hard to put that to death, put yourself to death every time that fear and anger rears up and says, demands that you rectify the situation and justify yourself. They have no right to treat me that way. Does anybody else see how unfair this is? Does anybody else care? Apparently not. But I know what I'll do. No, don't assume that it'll just go away when you need to step up and grab a hold of the whip. And then when you get your, when you, when you, uh, you know, work out your anger or your fear or your frustration and, and you whip it until you can't swing no more and then God's peace will come back in and rule again. Mm-hmm. No. It doesn't work that way. 
No. What is the peace of God? The inner calm and comfort given by the Holy Spirit when we really have true faith in God's intention for our life's path. Mm. Just remember, this is so hard for me. Just remember that this is a journey. Mm. You know, we're not at the destination yet. So it's not over yet. Yeah. You know, and today looks rough. Today I'm I'm I'm, I'm failing, I'm sinking, I'm drowning. Tomorrow might be better. Yep. That's right. Yes. Has a lot to do with what's ruling in my heart. Why does his peace not rule? In us. Why would it not? First of all, it's not his fault. You know? He never moves. I change not, he said. So if anything changes in our life, who's moved? We have, right? Why does his peace not rule in us? Well, because we want to be the decider of our life's path. Lords of our own destiny. The self-made victors over all of our opposition. You know, heard the old adage of putting your religion on the fence post for a minute and taking care of business. Well, what's ruling in your heart? Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks, right? So whatever's ruling in your heart, in your soul, will rule in your mind, and then it'll come right out your mouth. We've known people through the years and laughed about it because of how ludicrous it sounded when you say it all out loud and joked about, you know, these guys would come up to the sawmill or work in the sawmill, and boy, they were bad dudes, and Somebody crossed them, and boy, they just went over and beat them half to death. And Dad always made jokes that, you know, these guys must have graveyards all over the place for all the guys they've put in the ground for crossing them. Well, I can tell you one thing about those guys. They may not be tough, and they might not have ever done none of that stuff, but I can tell you what they don't have, and that's peace. You know? It's just one of the many facades that people hide behind oh, yeah. when they are scared to death yeah, that's right. and full of anger and fear and frustration and hopelessness and the absolute absence of peace. Why else would his peace not reign in my heart and rule? Well, because I really believe that there's things God can help me with. And then there's things I must do or they just won't get done. That might not be violence against someone. But have you ever run up on something where either it wasn't happening fast enough and you just had to to kick that door open? God helps those who help themselves. Come on, man. I went to a thing down at the bluff with Adam the other day and heard a man speak. And there was one thing in there. He gave his testimony and it stuck with me. 
he said, you know, it was a big long story, but he he was running from God. He knew what was right, and he wouldn't do it. And he said, I was on about the second stanza of in my life of hell's anthem. I did it my way. That's what he called it, hell's anthem. Yep. That's it right there. Yeah. That is it right there. Never heard that before, but boy, that's true. Yep. Because that's really at the root of this whole thing we're talking about here, about why peace would vacate and not be there in your life or in your heart. It's because you abandon His way mm-hmm. and you do it your way. Yep. That's right. And, and we justify that in so many ways. You know, they say, I mean, think about the line of reason and someone would go down in their mind when they would say, well, it's my way or his way. Well, I choose his way. And now that's my way. You see the deception in that verbiage there? And you do that long enough. You sit in a church long enough. You're doing what you want to do. Oh, just how convenient that it's supposedly what God wants you to do. And the heart, the course gets behind the cart. See? And, and once again, you take over ruling your life. And yet you have no peace. You can't figure it out. Why else would peace not rule? Well, because I get myself into far from Him spiritual places by the choices that I make. To do these things that I've talked about. Once again, think about Peter. You know, so eager to participate in the in the the wow in the ministry, in the miracles, in the works, and the the things that people could see. You know, there was twelve there was eleven other guys in the boat that watched him jump out. You don't think his ego was involved in that even just a little bit, maybe? I mean, we're talking about Peter here, okay? But, you know, Peter was conflicted. We can tell that by the way Jesus talked to him. Mm -hmm. One verse, I'll build my church on this rock. Simon, Peter, and the next minute, get thee behind me, Satan. Mm -hmm. You know, you're unstable as water. But when you're converted, change. So what's that mean? Well, you know, you got to think for a little bit about what salvation even really is. You know, is it just this one-time thing? I mean, we don't preach that it's just a one-time thing. That it's just some some experience that you that you you know experience some occasion that you experience. On a Sunday or a Wednesday or at an altar or whatever. We don't preach that. It can be that, but it don't have to be that. If you're to put these things on every day, and they're the strengths of what a Christian even really looks like, then don't you believe that salvation happens every day? Sanctification happens every day. You know? That's what I believe. Because just like it's a choice to let him rule, and just like it's a choice to put these things on, 
It's also your choice to not do those things every day. You ever have a day where you lay down at night on your pillow and you said, boy, today was a loss. Today was, I lost today. Yeah, well, I have. I have a bunch. I'm tired of those days. I can't survive many more of those days. My family is not going to survive many more of those days. So I better get it together. Better figure out where my ship is leaking. And do some plugging. We're all in some state of this. Either headed to it, in it, or some of us has been through it and sailed on. Talk about repairing. How do you plug? How do you plug the ship's holes? You know, you find where you're just hemorrhaging. How do you plug them up? Well, he gives us a little list of things here to look at. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body. Then he says, and be thankful. Well, if you find yourself with no peace, no strength, sinking, what do you got to be thankful for? That's going to be the first thing that runs through your mind. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't the mountaintop. We're talking about the valley and we're talking about the lowest point you've ever been. And we're talking about when all seems lost. And we're talking about when, you know, you know, we've all experienced these tornadoes that come through here and it's just so scary. To me, that's the scariest thing that in 20 seconds it's over. It's gone. But there's nothing left. Mm -hmm. It just vacuums up everything and blows it four counties over. Mm -hmm. It's gone. Never to be collected again. Just like the them cards across the yard. That's all you got to be thankful for. Heard Brother Reg talk about that, about the tornado that hit their farm, blowed his dad's barn away, and blowed nails out all over the field and everything. I mean, it just, it's like worst case scenario for a cattle farmer. And he said, I was mad for my daddy. Seventy something years old, done lived his life, and now all of his stuff is gone. And he said, We was out there picking up nails in the field together. And he said, I was just venting, kind of mad. And he said, and he gently, kindly, lovingly reproved me. That old man had peace, see? He had let it rule in his heart. That's what Red said. He said, I, I didn't. I wasn't letting it rule. Giving place to all these other things. You know what he what what he said his dad said? He said, I'm just thankful that we're all here. Yep. I'm thankful that you're here with me to pick these nails up. Mm-hmm. Thankful the cows were all over on the other side of the farm. Mm-hmm. Thank thankful we have the house still. We could be living in the tent instead of just picking up nails. 
And he started giving him a rundown of all the things he was thankful for while they're picking up the, the destruction from the field. He said, and I just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Being thankful is a good place to start. Yes. Absolutely, yes. Try to be thankful. Make a list. Write it down on some paper or something. Just sit down by yourself. Start writing down. You know, we sing that song. Well, Anna loves it about count your blessings. Name them one by one. She points at me every time. One by one. Yeah. It will surprise you what the Lord really has done. Start there and be thankful. And then see what happens. You know, I'm not sure of many things anymore. But I am pretty sure about that. This right here is the only thing we really can be sure of. What's the next thing he says? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. The word of Christ dwelling in me richly. That means abundantly. In all wisdom. What's that mean? In all wisdom. It means it's spirit led feeding in his word not just having an idea and then doing a, a search on your phone on your bible app to see what verses have that key word in it so that you can try to wrap that into what you're already feeling the spirit will lead you and feed you with his word if you'll lead if you'll follow and not try to lead it's not based only in emotion which by the way during these times it seems to be the only thing that really has the mic emotions reasoning is out the window and you're just you're in panic mode fight or flight and you're flying <laughs> in all wisdom the word of Christ dwelling in me richly in all wisdom means not rested to justify compromise in my commitment you'll you'll start readjusting things doing what the football players call say they're, they're, it's called calling audibles in the field where you change the play on the field to suit what's happening at that moment God don't change his plays see we change them next what about this in admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Does that mean you just go around singing all the time? Just singing all kinds of stuff? No, there's, there's, there's a lesson in that, okay? Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs are three different kinds of things. The way I look at that is that it's balanced. There's a balance. Psalms are for comfort. Hymns are for worship. And spiritual songs are for encouragement. Mm -hmm. Yet you can draw all three of those things from any of those things. Right. And that's, that's what's so neat about music is that it's not just about what mood you're in, the kind of music you play or listen to or sing, <coughs> but it edifies your soul yes. in a way that preaching can't that a hug can't it's it's it's, it's the language that god created mm -hmm. 
Three souls. That's why it's so egregious to abuse it. And you know, just plain old singing don't hurt. Well, it depends, I suppose, where you're at and who you are, but sing. It's good for you. It lets out something. You know, the world says it's good to have a good cry every now and then. Why? Why to release an overwhelm of emotion? God told you to sing. Sing. Let that emotion out that way and see if your heart's in the right place. Let that emotion release in song and see what you sing. You won't sing, there's a tear in my beer. It'll be something different. And you'll come out the other end of it with some peace ruling in your heart. It's amazing how that works. And then he tells us again, giving thanks to God. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Our only part in that is to be the one giving thanks. Just expressing gratitude to Him. Giving thanks. See, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. You know, there's going to be times where you ain't got very much strength left. Not even to sing, hardly. Not even to give thanks. And that's why He's going to have to help you. He will strengthen you. He'll he'll uphold you with the right hand of His righteousness. Why would He have to do that? Well, because we're weak. Sometimes we find ourselves with not even enough strength to crawl up off the ground. Read the Psalms. David was there a bunch and then he said, but then he strengthened me. Carried me up. That's what we got to do.